Hello, this is Jennifer Wolf Horsch. I'm the Executive Director of the International Association of Industrial Accident Boards and Commissions. We're also known as the IAIABC. You're listening to the IAIABC's podcast, Accidentally, where we discuss issues and events impacting workers' compensation systems. During Accidentally, I ask thought-provoking questions, raise awareness of emerging issues, and offer insights on workers' compensation. My hope is that these podcasts make you think about work comp in a different way. You can listen or download podcasts each month at iaiabc.org slash podcast, or even better, subscribe to us on iTunes. Two thousand and eighteen is quickly coming to an end, and if I'm being honest, the last eleven and a half months have gone by pretty much in a blur. I always look forward to the last few weeks of the year. My email and phone quiet down, and this quiet leaves room to catch up on industry reading, cleaning up my email inbox, and going down internet rabbit holes. This quiet leaves room for reflection and thinking. And sometimes I think we don't give ourselves enough time to let our minds wander. This space is good and it helps us to process and prepare. So in the spirit of giving, I wanted to share how I'm preparing for the coming year. What follows are the forces and the issues I believe are likely to shape workers' compensation in 2019. I focused on policy and administration that might impact how workers' compensation claims are processed and managed. Politics. The November elections in the U.S. means new governors and new legislators across the states. Seven states went from a Republican governor to a Democrat, and that's likely going to result in leadership changes in insurance, labor, in workers' compensation agencies. New legislators could signal new policy proposals and priorities. There's lots of unknowns in this area, but I'll be keeping my eyes open for announcements and appointments early in the year. Marketplace Contractors The Industrial Revolution ushered in an era where workers were connected to work through formal employer-employee relationships. These were pretty paternalistic arrangements, with the employer controlling the methods, means, and manner of work. In return, an employee received set wages, and they also received legislatively mandated benefits and protections. This includes unemployment insurance, workers' compensation, equal rights protections, and social security. Having an employee Well, it's expensive, at least in the short term, and as such, the last 30 years have seen an increase in the use of temporary, contract, and non-standard work relationships. Recent research has suggested that real gains in employment have been outside the traditional employee-employer relationship, and these changes have gained more visibility with the rise of platform work. Think drivers connecting through Lyft and cleaners through Handy. 
This trend is significant for workers' compensation since the employment relationship defines coverage requirements. 2018 saw nine states consider bills that defined new work relationships, specifically defined marketplace contractors, and gave marketplace contractors independent contractor status by statute. The bills passed in six states. I'd look for marketplace contractor legislation to pop up again, especially in states where free markets and deregulation are compelling political arguments. Think red. The future of work and how to modernize the social safety net is going to be on the radar for some states, especially in their labor and workforce development departments. We could finally see pilot programs around portable benefits passed. I'd look to Washington or California. Private solutions in this area are already emerging. Employment law was written mostly in the mid-20th century, and it's well past time for an update. Work injuries, illnesses, and fatalities are at an all-time low. If workers' compensation doesn't pay attention, it could lose its seat at the table during these important discussions. Federal-state coordination or intervention? Workers' compensation is a state-based system, and there's been tension since the earliest days about federal intervention. Recently, there's been more and more interplay between state workers' compensation programs and federal policy. Look for this trend to continue in the coming year. Increased enforcement of CMS secondary payer legislation and the use of set-asides, along with air ambulance pricing and continued litigation, are two areas that continue to evolve. Both generally add cost and complexity to workers' compensation claims, but relief is only going to come at the federal level. There's been a lively debate about whether changes in state workers' compensation systems have shifted workers onto Social Security Disability Insurance, SSDI. This issue continues to get attention by federal policymakers who are looking for ways to create solvency in the Social Security Administration Fund. Rumors are swirling one place the feds may look is the 15 states with reverse offsets. The elimination of the offset in those states could be a cause for rate increases. Medical care. My prep wouldn't be complete without thinking about medical care and workers' compensation. Medical drives cost, and more importantly, it drives outcomes. Policy, practice, and possibility continue to influence the care injured workers receive in the system. On the policy front, the expansion of medicinal and recreational cannabis will continue to influence workers' compensation. From the employer perspective, worries about intoxication and the interpretation of both drug-free workplace laws and ADA accommodations requirements will continue to cause uncertainty. From the worker perspective, there seems to be a softening toward the use of cannabis in the treatment of work injuries. There are administrative hoops to consider, but if you can demonstrate functional improvement and replace opioids, 
it could be a win for some. With cannabis, all eyes might be on Canada. Recreational marijuana use was legalized in October 2018, opening up both economic and research opportunities. Telehealth is a growing trend in healthcare delivery. The number of telehealth consultations is expected to grow by 700% from 2014 to 2020. Every workers' compensation conference that I've attended in the past year has had at least one, if not multiple, sessions or demonstrations on the use of telehealth and its application in treating injured workers. Regulation, pricing, and appropriate use are on the minds of some regulators. I would expect working and advisory groups to look at these issues. Texas and Colorado have been shared as possible regulatory examples for telehealth. I'm on the record saying I'm back on the opioids. I'm not taking them, but they're still an important industry issue. Evidence shows that initial opioid use is down, and that's the good news. However, there's still a lot of work to be done helping individuals recovered from opioid dependency or addiction. Implementation of formularies and treatment guidelines has been the go-to policy choice in this area. Look for more states to consider it in the coming year. Everyone likes to talk about healthcare reimbursement methodology, but getting change is difficult, really difficult. Just look at Wisconsin's repeated attempts to implement a medical fee schedule. But fee-for-service reimbursement is ineffective, but it's ingrained in the work comp system. Outcome, performance, or value-based fee structures are the unicorn, elusive and yet magically enticing. There are definitely some leaders who want to make their mark on the system, and paving the way for outcome, performance, or value-based fees would certainly garner national attention. Presumptions. First responders garner sympathy and political support on many issues. And there's been a lot of legislative activity to expand presumptions for first responders. In particular, expanding coverage for post-traumatic stress disorder. This is a complex issue for the industry and policymakers. The medical evidence for presumption is divided. There isn't any cost-benefit analysis that I'm aware of. And creating separate classes of workers may not be desirable public policy. Alternatives to workers' compensation. Texas seems to enjoy its distinction as the only state that does not require workers' compensation coverage for employers. This uniqueness allowed employers in Texas to develop benefit plans, which provided medical and wage replacement coverage for employees who suffered an occupational injury or illness. To be very clear, these benefit plans were not workers' compensation policies but it was some kind of coverage. We can't be for sure what kind of coverage because these plans are employer-specific and pretty tightly held. 
Oklahoma experimented with allowing this kind of employee benefit plan in lieu of a workers' compensation policy with a major difference. They extended exclusive remedy, a feature not found in Texas. Oklahoma's statute was eventually found unconstitutional in 2016, and the experiment with alternatives to workers' compensation went dormant, at least until now. The industry group responsible for marketing and lobbying for alternative solutions to workers' compensation has been rebranded, attracted top talent, and is talking to insiders across the industry. I think we're going to see the revival of alternative solutions in 2019. The industry and regulators should be prepared to look at the new proposals with fresh eyes and a long list of questions. A closing thought. Workers' compensation has experienced good times of late. Combined ratios are low, claim frequency is down, and payroll is continuing to grow. And yet, the industry continues to talk about cost control. Proposals that focus solely on lowering cost may find that a less than compelling argument. With unemployment at historic lows, we need to focus on return to work and recovery more than ever before. Prioritizing these efforts benefit those injured at work, their employers, and state economies. So that's how I'm preparing for 2019. I'm sure there will be some surprises to keep us on our toes. Now back to reflection, pondering, and some last-minute Amazon shopping. Thanks for listening to Accidentally, the IIBC's podcast series. You can find past episodes at IIBC.org or subscribe to us on iTunes. I'll talk to you in the new year. Cheers. Jen.